When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Well, Coach, your first trip to the Elite Eight results in your first trip to the Final Four. How do you describe it? Oh, my God, is good. What an unbelievable just effort by our kids. How about our offense? How about that offense today? How about this little one right here? I mean, you talk about tough as nails. An unbelievable competitor. I just, you can't do it without leadership. I got the best quarterback in the country right here. Fred, best point guard. Way to go, Mo. Your own daughter is on this team, but how do you describe the relationship you have come to have with Morgan Williams? She's like my other daughter. They room together, they're roommates, best friends. She is very, very special to my family, as all my kids are, but this one's a little bit more because of some other things that have happened. So I am just so proud of her, and what an unbelievable day. What an unbelievable day. Morgan, we don't often get to see emotion out of you. Why is it pouring out of you right now? Uh, this was from my dad, you know. Yesterday, I mean. Yesterday was the three-year anniversary of losing, losing her, her dad. It was for him. It's just for him. Morgan, a career-high day for you in the biggest game of your career to this point. What were you feeling out there that allowed this success? Uh, I just know Coach Efron just like, just go play your game and don't go out there nervous or scared or you're going to get beat. So go out there like an eagle, he said. So that's what we did. And I just kept fighting and knocking down shots to get my teammates involved, and that's what we did. This team is not done yet. Morgan, what can this team accomplish? Right now, we got one game at a time, but I know we're going to Dallas. <laughs> we'll see you both there. Thank you so much. All right, pressure love, go dogs. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of It Just Means Four. My name is Will Larson. I am a writer for ForWhomTheCowbellTolls.com. Joining me today, we've got Andrew Parrish, my co-host. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Oh, doing, doing great. Um, if you haven't noticed, um, our show is now on iTunes. It's called For Whom the Podcast Tolls. This is a network of a lot of podcasts that we have on ForWhomTheCowbellTolls.com. So check out the other shows if you get a chance too. But really, you should listen to the number one show on For Whom the Podcast Tolls, which is us. So definitely listen to us the most out of any other show. That's right. We actually provide, we provide two different looks at things because all, all the other podcasts, all, they're only Mississippi State people. See, I don't, I don't go That's to right. Mississippi State. I, I, I go to Alabama, so it's sort of this different look at things, different approach. And this is really a unique show, and this is kind of why I wanted to do this. A lot of shows are either Mississippi State only or Mississippi State Ole Miss. Well, we got Mississippi State, Alabama. These are the two closest SEC schools. That's true. Only about 90 miles between the two. Yeah. So today, as we said, uh, we're going to have the final four. Um we're going to start with the men's. We're going to do both men's and women's, but we're going to start with the men's first. Um, so, Andrew, why don't you take it away? All right, so our first game of the uh, men's Final Four is South Carolina and Gonzaga. And uh, a number one versus a number seven seed. Uh, Gonzaga coming in at 36-1 and one, and South Carolina coming in at 26-10. and 10, uh, 5.09 p.m. Central Time tip-off in Phoenix, Arizona on CBS. Yeah, um, I, I've gotten a chance. I'm obviously way more familiar with South Carolina. I haven't gotten the chance to see them in person this year. I'm not quite as familiar with Gonzaga, but I've gotten a chance to quickly look them over. <laughs> I haven't really gotten a chance to watch the men's tournament as I would like to watch this year. But I've really been kept up with it. I've been really impressed with South Carolina's run. I'm sure you are too, Andrew. Absolutely. Uh, they're having one of the best runs uh, in recent memory from a team that was – not necessarily expected to do as well as they are as a seven seed. Yeah, I mean, they beat Duke, they defeated Florida, and defeated Baylor, and now they're in the Final Four. I mean, that's that's really incredible. Absolutely. Um, so South Carolina, this this is obviously a story of two teams that have never made the Final Four. Um, 
two kind of Cinderella teams. I know Gonzaga was the number one seed, but they've probably been kind of the mid-major underdog, you would say, for years to come. Because Gonzaga is usually a team that people kind of hype up, but they'll usually probably lose in around the first or second round. This is kind of the first year in a while where they've actually made the run for the Final Four. Right. They have a, they have a lot of talent on that team uh, at Gonzaga with uh, Chimek Karnowski and Nigel Williams-Goss, two of the best players in college basketball, uh, just leading their front line. And that they are definitely a good team that deserves to be here after not going to the Final Four for so long, uh, to be sure. Oh, yeah. Um, if you look at uh, Gonzaga, I think they've only had one loss this season, which that's pretty remarkable for you to all go through your entire season schedule, no matter what conference it is, to just only have one loss. And they, they didn't play all scrub teams. I mean, they played against Iowa State, beat, beat them uh, – they played against Arizona, beat them as well. Uh, even had to play against Tennessee at one point, uh, who was a decent SEC team uh, at, yeah, that, at yeah. that time. At that time, they sort of fell off at the end. But at well, that Tennessee time, was the up and down team. They, right. they were up and down. They beat the best. They beat Kentucky, but then they lost to the worst LSU. So you know, you never got knew what you're going to get from Tennessee. Right. That, that's very true. But yeah, um, if you look at South Carolina, for instance. Yeah, obviously, uh, they had some losses earlier this season that just made me think that they weren't going to make a run at all. Like, I got a chance to see them in person against Mississippi State. At that time, Mississippi State wasn't really quite on the hot streak. And Mississippi State, they made that a four-point game and could have easily won the game with a few more plays. Obviously, they lost to Arkansas, Vanderbilt. They even lost to Ole Miss for their final regular season game. I mean, I, I just – wasn't really too impressed with South Carolina, and they have the early exit out of the SEC tournament. It's just unbelievable for them to beat a team like Duke and just make this incredible run. Right. They they haven't not they haven't played uh, scrub teams to be sure. I mean, they had to play uh, Marquette, who's a good team. Uh, Duke, obviously, uh, they ended up beating Baylor by twenty, which was absolutely insane. And then they beat Florida. Uh, a team, another SEC team that had had a good run, but now they have their toughest test yet with the number one seed uh, Gonzaga. And there, there's one thing I want to bring about Florida before we get too much into this. I mean, that Florida Wisconsin game was one of the best endings I've ever seen in NCAA tournament game. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I mean there was the there was the shot at the end. And you thought that Florida wasn't going to be able to get a shot up at the end, but then they get up a shot at the end, that, that magnificent three-pointer to take in overtime. I, I mean, I was just I was just kind of blown away by that. I wasn't quite sure if either one of those three-pointers were three-pointers. They never, I never really got a good look, but I assume they both were. I'm pretty sure they were just uh, just from watching uh, the game in real time. It, they looked they looked to be both good, and they were they were both amazing shots. I mean. Uh, Zach Showalter for Wisconsin and Chris Gioza for Florida both hit very similar looking shots and they were both incredible in their own right. Now, uh, I've gotten a chance to look at kind of the spread. If, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Gonzaga favored by seven points? Uh, let's see. I, I don't have it pulled up right now. Let me well, I'll double check that. I was, uh, one of the few NCAA tournament games I got to saw was Xavier versus Arizona. And so when I saw the score that Gonzaga defeated Arizona, or I'm sorry, they defeated Xavier 83 to 59, I was just kind of really startled and kind of surprised because I really thought Xavier looked like one of the better teams in the tournament. So that made me think right there that Gonzaga is a really legit power if they're going to be able to beat Xavier 83 to 59. Right. I mean, they are they are a number one seed and they are 36 and one for a reason. I mean, it's kind of hard to do that in general. Just ended up really well for them. Yeah, uh, and like you said, they played some great teams too. I mean, that's absolutely. Just, just, and uh, uh, their one loss. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, their one loss is to BYU, which BYU I think made the NIT. But I, I, BYU, I think it's been BYU, St. Mary's, and Gonzaga. Those have been the three teams in the West Coast Conference that have kind of carried the load. That's not a terrible loss at all by any stretch of the mean. I mean, they went to BYU earlier that season and won, so it's not like they didn't beat BYU. I just think that they were kind of feeling a little pressure. I see that senior night, too, also. So you know what that tells me? That tells me that the emotions of senior night got to them. 
Uh, and one thing I will point out about Gonzaga before we uh, move on to the next game is uh, Gonzaga is uh, one of the only teams in the tournament this year that was in the top 20 in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And that the reason that means something is that the last fif- 15 out of the last 16 national champions of the men's tournament have been in the top 20 of both those categories. And, and the only team left that's that's in those categories. So they are history's choice to win win the title. Well, it certainly certainly feels like that. Um, I mean, those are two of the one two of the better stories in the NCAA tournament are playing each other right now. Um, yep. South Carolina. Obviously, I, I think you've seen it too. I, I guess South Carolina is the Cinderella of this NCAA tournament, wouldn't you? Say that? Yes, for sure. The, on this side, uh, uh, in, in all the in both the men's and women's tournament, they are the biggest Cinderella story. Uh, both. Uh, I don't know about that. We'll get to that later. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, uh, again, the next game, then I guess uh, Oregon and uh, UNC. Oregon coming in at thirty-three. Yeah. Oregon coming in at thirty-three and five, and uh, North Carolina coming in at thirty-one and seven. Uh, 7.49 tip-off at CBS. Okay, yeah. So North Carolina, I think you could say they're probably the favorites in this tournament now. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to see the North Carolina-Kentucky game. I didn't get to see all of it, obviously. But um, North that was was a very close game. As you've kind of seen on social media, Kentucky fans are kind of uh, (laughs) getting mad at the referees for that game. But, I mean, North Carolina – I would say they're probably the favorites to win the rest of the tournament just because they've historically been here. They've historically done that. They probably got the talent and the coach to do it. Um, If you look at Oregon, they're kind of a West Coast team. So actually the tournament's in Phoenix, Arizona, so I don't really know what I'm talking about there. (laughs) But but, um, they they pulled off the uh, upset of uh, Kansas. Which I was, I was, I was pretty impressed with that. I, I don't know if you were, but I was pretty impressed yeah, with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a good win uh, for them uh, to beat uh, the Josh Jackson and Frank Mason led uh, Kansas Jayhawks at basically at a home game for for Kansas. Is that the most under talk? Uh, that's not really a word. But are they the least talked about team out of all of these Final Four teams that you've seen? Uh, probably so, and I don't really get that. Because I mean, they're thirty. They're thirty-three and five for a reason. They beat UCLA uh, at their on their home floor. They beat USC. Uh, they beat Arizona by beat Arizona by over twenty points. Beat them eighty-five to fifty-eight. Hmm. Uh, they made a run in the conference tournament to lose. They ended up losing to Arizona in the in the semifinal. And then they've gone on this this run in the tournament, beating uh, Iona, who's not not a very good team, but I mean they made the tournament. Uh, they beat Rhode Island, who was one of the trendy upset picks uh, to make the Sweet 16. They beat Michigan, who was who was on fire that like starting from about the Big Ten tournament on, and then they go out and beat Kansas by 15. So I mean, Oregon's one of those teams where if they have good guard play from uh, Dylan Brooks and uh, uh, Ennis, uh, Dylan Ennis. And they also can get some good uh, post play from Jordan Bell, who had eight blocks against Kansas. I don't see why they couldn't go out and beat North Carolina. I don't either. I mean, they, they like you said, they beat one of the hottest teams, Michigan, which that that's when I started to turn my attention to Oregon. If you don't know, which I'm sure you all do, because ESPN, National Media was all over it. Michigan makes goes on this um, magnificent run. Wins the Big Ten tournament, defeats 2C Louisville to get into the Sweet 16, and they come up just one point short against Oregon. Yeah, it was a, it was a good run for Michigan, but uh, and it was quite an incredible story. But turning our attention back to Oregon, I mean, they played a good conference. They they played a pretty good out of conference schedule. I mean, they played had to play against Baylor. Uh, they played against Tennessee. Which a side note about Tennessee. Tennessee was the one of the only teams, probably the only team in Division One basketball to have to play all four Final Four teams in one season, which is oh, quite, wow. <laughs> quite the stat. But yeah, they had to play yeah. all four of them, 
And uh, I, I must mention this since Alabama played Oregon this season and gave them quite a run, but uh, couldn't quite finish the job. I have to mention that since I go to Alabama, but uh, <laughs> that's beside the point. Yeah, uh, I guess Alabama played two of these teams too. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tennessee, obviously, I, I didn't even know they played Oregon. I, I didn't even know that, but I, I guess they did. Wow, that was overtime thing too. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Tennessee took it overtime, and uh, it was in Maui. Is at the Maui Invitational? So that was that was right, that right. So um, yeah, I mean, Oregon d- didn't just uh, win closely to Kansas. It looked like they pretty much controlled that game, which. Yeah, like you said, that's pretty surprising to do that in Kansas's backyard in Kansas City, Missouri. Right. They they really had a good game out of uh, Jordan Bell, and they're going to need him to contribute, especially with the loss of Chris Boucher for the season with that uh, that torn ACL. Uh, but they're going to need good play out of those guys. Plus, I forgot to mention Tyler Dorsey earlier, one of their other good guards. Uh, Oregon's really relying on their guard play, and if they if they have good guard play, then they can beat any team in the country. And I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I don't know if, I don't know if we're doing uh, predictions now or later, but I'm going to say Oregon beats North Carolina. Uh, if you look at North Carolina, though, and kind of contrast, they've kind of been, I'd say, one of the favorites all season to win the national title. Now, if you look back, I, I think the game that, if you're going to talk about game of North Carolina, it's that Kentucky game in December. There were a lot of people that were raving about Malik Munt score 49 points. Now, North Carolina just fell short. They lost 103 to 100. but so people I talked to consider that one of the best regular season games they had seen in a while. I mean, yeah, when you have Monk going out there dropping 47 points on uh, on uh, mm-hmm. North Carolina, but then North Carolina being able to stay in the game, uh, having a good uh, product, uh, good performance from uh, Josh, uh, not Josh Jackson, that he plays for uh, Kansas, but Justin Jackson, who had 34 points, and Joel Berry, who had 23 points. Uh, Two good performances, but they all, both got out outshined uh, by Malik Monk. Yeah, and uh, if you look at North Carolina, they, uh, as far as their rivalry goes, they lost to Duke at Cameron Indoor Arena earlier this season, which I, I consider that kind of a pretty monumental upset at that time. Which I had heard that was a great game as well. I didn't watch that game either, but they were able to come back. They were able to come back in Chapel Hill, final regular season game, senior night, beat Duke. But then they ultimately lose to Duke in the ACC semifinals. So at that point, I was a little skeptical of North Carolina. So I, I guess they uh, were able to make the run, beat Kentucky, and get revenge on them to get back to this point. But I was a little skeptical of them actually making it this far, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, they did have quite the resume. I mean, beating Duke, uh, beating, beating Virginia uh, at home, beating Louisville, beating uh, Notre Dame, uh, and so on, beating Florida State. I mean, all good teams that they that they beat uh, to, to get to this point. So they, de- they definitely have the experience uh, with uh, Joel Berry and, uh, and Justin Jackson and uh, Kennedy Meeks, one of their big postmen that, is, uh, played, that had, uh, I think he had 17 rebounds, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in their last game or – Maybe that was someone else. I don't quite remember. But uh, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky gave them a good game, but uh, North Carolina was able to prevail uh, in a very exciting game with Luke May hitting that game winner. But I just, I just don't know. I, I think that uh, Oregon's got the horses to take him out. Um, did you did you see the Christian Leitner tweet? About, I did. Uh, I did see the later tweet. That 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 was. <laughs> I, I gotta admit that that was that was pretty that was pretty good tweet there. It's very common. Um, I, I guess we're. I, I guess we'll go to uh, predict predictions now. Um, yeah, I'm actually I'm actually going to agree with you here. I'll tell you why I'm agreeing with you here. I always feel like Roy Williams in North Carolina. They're 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 favored to win now, so that means that they're the favorite now. Right. I, I don't trust them. I don't trust Roy Williams. I don't trust North Carolina to get it done. I feel like Oregon, like we've said, is kind of really under the radar. And I, I think that gives Oregon – I mean, they're playing at Phoenix, so that's closer to Oregon than North Carolina. But, we, I mean, it's obviously not in Oregon's backyard. There's a pretty good distance between Oregon and Arizona. 
Right. But but um, as far as the time change goes, that'll definitely help Oregon. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Oregon to win this one. It's a late game too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Oregon to win this one. One thing that cannot be understated is the quality of Oregon's coach, uh, Dana Altman. He's one of the best coaches in college basketball, and he doesn't get enough credit for what he does, what he's done at Oregon. He's one of one of the best. So I, I, will, I will pick Oregon as well. I think that Dylan Brooks and uh, Dylan Ennis will uh, go go off, and Jordan Bell will have another dominant game on the block. And I, I'm going to pick Oregon. I think. All right. So. Who do we have winning the South Carolina Gonzaga game? It's hard to pick against Mark Few. I mean, he's only lost one game all season, and I'm really a big fan of Chemet Karnowski and Nigel Williams Goss. So I'm going to go with Gonzaga, I think. Gonzaga and Oregon in the All Northwest final. They both have not been to the Final Four before. So it's not like if Gonzaga was playing someone with a little bit more experience, I, I would probably tend to pick against Gonzaga. But South Carolina has not been this experience before. They have not experienced the Final Four before. And I don't, I, I don't think Frank Martin has experienced it either. No, he hasn't. This is his first Final Four. Yeah, so I think it's a great story of what South Carolina does. And, hey, kudos to them if they get this done and actually win it all. I mean, that would be a great story for the SEC itself. But uh, I, I don't I don't really see it either. I, I think Gonzaga's going to win this one. Right, but we, we don't know what Sundarius Thornwell is going to do. He might just have one of those monster games and lead South Carolina victory, and it wouldn't surprise me. But for, for right now, my money is on Gonzaga, and I think that's a pretty safe bet. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if South Carolina or North Carolina won their games, quite frankly. I mean, I think it'd be entertaining to see South Carolina versus North Carolina as the final. <laughs> That would be quite interesting to have the either the the Battle of the Carolinas or the Battle of the Northwest. I think those would both be very entertaining matchups. No doubt. All right, so we're going to shift our focus now towards the women's side. As you may or may not know, the Mississippi State Bulldogs are in the Final Four. I, I just had to point that out there. They are. They are. They are absolutely in the Final Four. Uh, but we'll we'll get to uh, their game later. We'll start with the early game of uh, Stanford and uh, South Carolina. 6.30 tip on Sunday uh, – or on Friday, excuse me. Not on Sunday. That's the championship game. Uh, on on Friday uh, in Dallas at 6.30, uh, Stanford coming in at 32-5 and five, and South Carolina coming in at 31-4. and four. Yeah, Andrew, I, I kind of find this matchup to be pretty intriguing. First of all, you have Stanford. I feel like they're the team that's kind of the least talked about of all these Final Four teams. They kind of come in to this game – I think no, they did win the Pac-12 tournament. That's what happened, and uh, they they don't really have a star player. If you look at the Stanford team, they kind of have a couple of players that kind of uh, uh, do it together as a team, as their coach talks about. But Stanford is a historic power. If you're talking about women's basketball, they I think I was counting today. They had won two national titles, and they'd been to uh, I think it's I think it was like. 13, yeah, 13 Final Fours that they had been to. I don't think that they've been as great recently as they had been, but this has kind of been the first run that Stanford has made in a while, if I'm looking, yeah, if I'm looking at correctly, which I am. Um, So uh, I was very impressed with their run. They were able to defeat Texas. That was a team that Mississippi State had defeated earlier. Texas was a team that, that they were very close to to winning the Big 12 over Baylor in the regular season. And then they were able to kind of upset Notre Dame. I know that was two versus one, but still, I mean, that was that was more towards Notre Dame territory in Lexington, Kentucky. And they were able to pull off the one-point victory. when I mean, Notre Dame had like a 16-point lead at one point. It was absolutely unbelievable that Stanford was able to come back in that game. Right. So I, th- I, think, a, I think a lot of people are kind of downplaying Stanford at this point. I don't really know why. Um, if, you, if you look at their regular season, they played – Texas, they play Texas again, obviously, <laughs> I guess so. Um, but they lost to Tennessee on the road. And I think that's that's where a lot of people are starting to be skeptical of Stanford. But if you want to talk, I guess, men's and women's, but more women's, Tennessee is the most confusing team ever. They are, they lose absolutely. To, they lose to, like, these bad – they have, like, these bad losses to, like, Alabama. And then they go on the road and beat Mississippi State. They beat South Carolina. They beat Notre Dame at home, and then they beat Stanford at home. Wait a minute. 
They beat every Final Four team. Did they really? Oh, they, they beat, beat Connecticut. Every... They beat Connecticut. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, no, no, we're Dame in the Final Four team. I'm, I'm just being dumb. They play in the Elite Eight. Okay, yeah, sorry. They still beat a lot okay. of good teams, though. I mean, they, I mean, they beat three out four. They beat three out four. Yeah, Stanford, they, they Kentucky, no, uh, Mississippi State, Notre Dame, South Carolina, just all really good teams. Yeah, I mean, oh, but anyway, but I, then I got they have, off. Then they have bad losses to Ole Miss, uh, yeah, Auburn, who didn't Auburn, look like a, yeah. Auburn didn't look like a capable uh, tournament team when it was all no. said and done. They lost Alabama twice. Although I will say, in that first matchup, uh, Diamond to Shields got hurt uh, very early in that game, so she was she didn't play for the rest of the game. And Tennessee's already thin as it is, so I, I would. No, now I must admit I'm not as familiar with the Stanford roster just because I haven't really done the research that uh, I needed to at this point. I've really looked more at South Carolina and Connecticut, so I can't really say for sure if Stanford has all the pieces that they would need to pull off this pull off this win against South Carolina. But I think they are more than capable of doing it. Just uh, I was reading some stuff today about how their team is more of a team focused one rather than a star player type team right i i I didn't get i haven't done a lot of research on stanford but i did watch their game against notre dame and i noted i noted the play of uh, Brittany mcphee she's a really good guard uh, for for stanford and i i think that they they have a chance in this game against south carolina although i I would not put money i think south carolina is just the overall better team but uh, since speaking of south carolina let's go ahead and get uh, into talking about them uh yeah, South Carolina, they're in the Southeastern Conference. They won the tournament and the regular season. Um, if you look at South Carolina this season, um, you, you talk about South Carolina, you talk about Asia Wilson and Alania Coates, but Alania Coates, she's out for this tournament. She has been out, so they've had to rely mainly on Asia Wilson in the post, and it still worked out for them. Um, they had a pretty close game against Florida State. I watched some of that, uh, some of the ending of that. Uh, in Stockton, California, but they were able to get it done. They were able to sh- find a way to get it done. Um, I, I, I was very impressed with some of their sh- shooters. Um, if you look at uh, Halia Davis. Kayla Davis. <laughs> Kayla Davis. Kayla Davis. I did not know this until the other day that she is the daughter of former NBA player Antonio Davis, who plays, uh, who's uh, with ESPN now. Uh, who's a on-air personality for ESPN, and uh, I didn't realize that until I was watching their game the other day and uh, and saw saw him in the crowd. And like, there's a connection there. I mean, this makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, definitely. And Antonio Davis was a great post player in his own right in the NBA. It, the bloodlines run uh, run well over there in, in South Carolina with Kayla, and she's a very good player for them. Uh, one of the key pieces on their team, along with Aja Wilson and uh, Alicia Gray. Now, if you look at uh, South Carolina, um, they uh, obviously lost to Duke early in December. That was their first loss, and they didn't lose again till late January when Tennessee, as we talked about before, they had some surprising wins. Tennessee shocks them at home, and uh, uh, that 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 really surprised me. Actually, it, I, yeah, I know prob- it, it's whenever a top tier team like this loses in the. Uh, the women's game, it's sort of shocking all the way around. I mean, because it's not like men's basketball where you have, like, your number one seed, like North Carolina, lost seven games this year. I mean, like, Connecticut's 35-0, and 0, but and Mississippi State's lost, what, three or four games this year? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they've only lost uh, So, I mean, it's games. like there's – and then South Carolina's only lost four games this year. So, I mean, it's, it's more shocking whenever you see these top-tier teams uh, – lose in the women's game, especially to teams that aren't ranked like Tennessee wasn't. Yeah, and Stanford only had five losses too. So right, I mean, and there are two seed. I mean, yeah. come on. This is kind of <laughs> – Yeah, the gap – I don't know this is another talk for another day, but the gap between the top teams in women's basketball and the mid-tier teams is so huge. But absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely unbelievable. That's why you don't see these Cinderella runs. That's why we were surprised last week to see – Quinnette Piak make the Sweet 16. That, that's just that, that's just unheard of for a 12 seed to make it that far. Right, right. It's it's that's like in my women's bracket, I picked chalk. I picked all top teams just because. <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't know much about the women's game uh, when I was picking the bracket because I hadn't watched much basketball on the women's side. But also, I mean, 
how many times in the last 10 years has all number one seeds made the final four in women's? It has to um, be like. Pretty, pretty, pretty good amount. It's usually one or two seeds is usually what happens. Yeah, I mean, so it's a pretty good bet just picking all chalk with maybe a few upsets in there. Yeah, it's usually I, I, I can, uh, quite honestly, I think I think last year was the first year where he really saw some upsets. I think Syracuse and Washington made a run last year. Right. But but uh I, I, yeah, I mean, usually it's just one and two seeds every time you watch it. Mhm. Uh, well, uh, let's move on to the next matchup then, I guess. Uh the one that everybody has been waiting on us to talk about, especially on this uh this site with Of course. Uh, this is this is the game of the year of anything. It's it's not even close. For people in Starkville, I would agree. Yes. <laughs> um, so obviously, uh, let's let's dive in here. Mississippi State just came off a very very impressive win over Baylor. I mean, I I was really surprised that they won that game. I think last week I did say that I thought Mississippi State would beat Baylor, but I got a chance to watch Baylor that Friday night. I actually went to Oklahoma City to watch the games. And I was very impressed with Baylor. I was afraid, and I, I really thought coming into the championship game in the Elite Eight, I thought Baylor was going to beat Mississippi State. And I thought it'd be by double digits, and that's what that's what that game started looking like in the Elite Eight. Obviously, uh, Baylor took an early nine to two lead, but it was like a back and forth game. It, it was a really exciting game to be at, really, really, really close. And then it goes into overtime. It's, it's actually one of the best games. I think of the entire. It was the best game of the women's tournament for sure. Absolutely, that's one of the best. That's one of the best games that you'll see in any basketball, really. Um, and a lot of people, I know you, you, I know you picked last week Baylor to beat Mississippi State. A lot of people didn't expect Mississippi State to beat Baylor, and there was a good reason for that. If you look statistically, Baylor is number one in the country in scoring offense. Think about that. They're better at Baylor. They're ba- I'm sorry. They're better at UConn at scoring offense. They're number one in the country in scoring margin. But UConn's number two. I mean, you look at field goal percentage defense. They're, they're number one in the country at that. And Mississippi State was still able to score 94 points on them. Baylor is the deepest team as far as depth in the entire country. That's why a lot of people thought. That you that Baylor might beat UConn the Final Four. They thought that'd be the best chance. It was in Dallas, Texas. Right. That, that's why basically a home game. That's why I was a lot surprising. I will make a comment on this as far as the Mississippi State Baylor game. There were just as many, if not just a little bit more, Mississippi State fans than Baylor fans. And you gotta think, it's a it's a it's a ten hour drive if you're coming from Mississippi to Oklahoma City. And it's only like a three hour drive if you're coming from the Dallas area, where I assume a lot of Baylor alumni are. That's just insane to me, the amount of support that Mississippi State was able to bring and that the, that this women's basketball program has really grown over the past five years. Yeah, absolutely. It's been um, really uh, anyway, nice to see uh, what Schaefer's done there. But I'll make the argument to you, and you can disagree with me or not. I think Mississippi State is the second-best team in the country in women's basketball. If you look at scoring offense, okay, they just beat, okay, number 10, number 7, number yeah, number six and number one. They just beat four of the top ten teams in scoring offense in the NCAA tournament. That's ridiculous. But one of those is Troy. Yeah, they're number seven. In the Sun Belt. In the country. In the in Sun scoring Belt. Offense. In, the, in the country. I'm just saying. 82.5 points saying. per game. It's the Sun Belt. Okay, let's look at Connecticut. They beat Albany. Great. They beat Syracuse. Sixth place team in the ACC. Great. They beat UCLA, fourth place team in the Pac-12. Great. You look at Oregon, 10 seed. I can't believe they made it that far. They're sixth place team in the Pac-12. Great. I mean, UConn had by far the easiest road to the Final Four, and it's not even close. Mississippi State wouldn't have even blinked if they had UConn's path to the Final Four. Perhaps they played. They played those, and those were all home games too. You look at obviously the first two games are home games for any of the top four seeds. But they got to play the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight at Bridgeport, Connecticut in their backyard. As Mississippi State fans know, that that was a huge advantage last year for UConn to be able to win. Now, obviously, look, they were going to beat Mississippi State no matter where they played, but I don't think they would have won by 60 if it was played somewhere else. Perhaps not, but it would have been more like 40. Yeah, I think so. Um, if, you look, um, if you look at this matchup, 
here's the thing that intrigues me. First of all, there's going to be, I think there's going to be a lot more state fans than UConn fans here. We've obviously seen the tweets that Dak Prescott, he's Dallas, Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback, former Mississippi State quarterback. He'll be at the game. Robin Roberts, good morning, American anchor, has decided that she's going to come down to support Mississippi State. If you want to know where her connection is, her nephew played in the men's basketball team for Mississippi State in the early 2000s, including winning the 2004 SEC title. So you've seen her ring the cowbell and everything. Uh, that's that's pretty neat to see. Um, Jonathan Banks, former cornerback at the Mississippi State, is going to be coming. And I've, I've talked to a lot of people around campus. I've seen a lot of fans online saying that they're going to make the trip to come to the Final Four. They, they believe in this team. And I, th- I think it's going to be – I think of all the teams that are coming there, I think Mississippi State is going to have the most fans. Because if you look at UConn, UConn's pretty far away. I don't think they have much of a Dallas or Houston alumni presence that Mississippi State has, which Mississippi State has a Dallas and Houston alumni presence. Um, if you look at South Carolina, they're probably all their fans are probably going to be going to the men's basketball tournament in Phoenix. And if you look at Stanford, I'm not sure how many of their fans are going to travel to Dallas. I could be totally wrong on Stanford, but I just don't know how many of their fans are going to be traveling to Dallas. So if you ask me, I think Mississippi State's going to have the most fans at Dallas. And they very well could. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest bit. I mean, you know, when, when your team – I'm not saying that Mississippi State has a bad basketball tradition, but when your team hasn't been to the Final Four yet and then they finally get there, I mean, you have to be excited and you have to show up for your team. And that's what they're oh, doing. Oh, no doubt. And, and you're right. Mississippi State women's basketball is Vic Schaefer. I mean that's that's the that's the history of their program. They've done nothing before Vic Schaefer. It's it, like we said before. This might be one of the biggest turnouts in any sport. It's unbelievable how Mississippi State is now in the Final Four after I think I think three years ago they weren't even in the NCAA tournament. I mean it's just unbelievable. I believe they had a losing record a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, they they traditionally have had losing records. They're so, not traditionally a top SEC power. They've never. To get this, Andrew, mm-hmm. they're they're going to the Final Four before they've ever won the conference tournament or the conference regular season. How many teams have ever? How many programs have ever done that? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. That's that's has to be pretty few. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right. So what I did for kind of an oracle that I'm working on right now is I took UConn's games that they that they played away from Connecticut this season and I took Mississippi State's games that they played away from Humphrey Coliseum this year. Now Connecticut has played 14 games away whereas Mississippi State has played 24 games away. Their average score for Connecticut is 84.857 to 58.143 which is significantly lower than their average scoring offense which is 87.7 games. So that's two points. No, nope. yeah, two points. So that, that's a little bit of a difference. But if you're looking at games of which, you know, they played, I, I guess, teams that are more on Mississippi State's caliber, you look at Florida State, they won 78 to 76. You look at Maryland, they won 87 to 81. You look at Notre Dame, they won 72 to 61. Those are a lot closer than last year, where every game was a double digit game last year for UConn. Now, obviously, for Mississippi State, when they've been playing the top teams away from the hump, you look at a team like South Carolina, they lost by three points. And you look uh, at South Carolina again at the SEC tournament, they lost by 10 points. But both of those games were in the state of South Carolina. Those were both home games for South Carolina, basically. But if you looked at Mississippi State against Washington or Baylor, which those are neutral site games, which this is going to be a neutral site game at the least for Mississippi State against UConn. They won, they won pretty... I mean, I mean, obviously, the Baylor game is a lot closer than the score indicates, but they won by nine points against Baylor. They won by 11 points against Washington. So they've been playing their best, best basketball right now. They're the hottest team, if you ask me, right now in the women's basketball tournament. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's, a, there's a good case for Mississippi State winning, but let's not lose sight that this is UConn. And they this have, is UConn. They have not lost a game in, what, three or four years now, and they're going they're for only- their- 111 game winning streak, won the last three national titles, won six out of the last eight national titles. Let me tell you about those two times they didn't lose. It was two years in a row. One of those years was Texas A&M under now under assistant coach and now head coach of Mississippi State, Vic Schaefer. Funny story, they defeated Baylor in the Elite Eight 
with Vic Schaefer as assistant coach at Texas A&M and went on a run to win the national title game. UConn lost in the Final Four first round like this year in that year. And Baylor, Baylor had Brittany Griner that year. So mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's been UConn pretty much the past eight years. They've been really dominant. And you got to think that this streak is going to end at some point. We really – a lot of people thought it was going to end this year. I, I'm really amazed that they've been able to keep this up because if you look at the WNBA draft last year, picks one, two, and three were all UConn players. Yep. And they're still – they're still – They've still proven themselves to be the better team out of everyone else. That's a compliment to Gino R.E.M. One of the, one of the probably the greatest coach in basketball, and that's across oh, that, all it, levels. That, there's no doubt about that. And let, let me let me just say this, okay? Baylor had the better talent than UConn this year, okay? I, I can agree let's, let's just point that out there. If Gino R.E.M. had Baylor's talent, they would be dominating every opponent like they did last year with at UConn. It's uh, that's more of a reflection on Kim Mulkey, if anything. Yeah, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Kim Mulkey, but we'll we'll, we'll put that. I don't. To the I, side. I don't. I don't think a lot of people are. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so what what I'm gonna say about UConn is, if you're gonna beat them, you're gonna have to play 100% of the time, really well. Now, uh, it's it's not to say that UConn has had some off nights this year. You look, they went to Tulane. This is a team that Mississippi State played earlier this year. At Tulane, they only won 63-60 to 60 this year. So unlike last year where they've just been dominant the entire season, they've had some close games. Mississippi State played Tulane in the non-conference earlier this year and won 66-49, to 49, to put that into perspective. UConn's more of a scoring team, whereas Mississippi State has been more of a defensive team. But lately in the NCAA tournament, Mississippi State has been scoring, averaging over 90 points. So Mississippi State has finally found the offense – that they really haven't had this season or last season, which this is the time to find that if you're going to find it. Absolutely. Uh, but just getting on to the uh, the game, uh, the game uh, matchups. I mean, Connecticut is going to have to deal with Mississippi State's side with uh, size with uh, Tierra McCowan and uh, Akori and all of those uh, people, as well as the the guards, the guard play. I don't think Morgan William can have her 41-point outburst again, but I, she's going to have to be big for uh, for Mississippi State to win this one uh, for sure. Well, Mississippi State doesn't need one player to do it. That What they need is a, a group of players to have big games. They're going to need Morgan William, Dominique Dillingham, Victoria Vivians, Rashonda Johnson, uh, obviously Tierra McCallum, Blair Schaefer, all the players that have really stepped up in this tournament to all put it together to have really – Almost a perfect game if they're going to pull this off. It's going to be really tough. I'm, State's, I'm not, going to have, State's going to have to play their best game that they ever played in the history of the program. Yes, and I think that was last. I think that was last Sunday, if you ask me. It, it I, probably I really did, was. If you ask me, but I think I think if uh, <laughs> I, I think if they are able to do that with the home crowd, that they do have a chance. Uh, I think this is. Uh, correct me if, I, if you think I'm wrong, but I think this is the last chance that UConn has to lose this year. Quite frankly, they're undefeated in title games; they just don't seem to lose in those. Yeah, it's it's pretty much true. If Connecticut gets to the the final game, they're probably going to win it. So, I, and uh, I don't think Mississippi State is the worst team to have in this matchup. I, I think they match up pretty pretty well uh, as far as uh, size wise and uh, skill wise. It's just going out and doing it. That's the problem. Yeah, and, and as you know, UConn kind of has that thing, that uh, uh, mystique to them, kind of like how Alabama football has, how Kentucky basketball has, where you got to kind of beat your own mentality of to just beat them. I mean, you could have a great team and still lose to yourselves because you're just afraid to play in the game. That's what happened to Mississippi State last year. They were afraid of the moment. This year, if you look at the team, they could have been afraid of the moment against Baylor. I mean, Baylor's a really great team, and they, they could have totally blew that. They'd never been in the Elite Eight before, obviously, but they were able to do that. So if they're able to play with that confidence, they have the depth, okay? This is something that I wanted to bring up. They have 10 or 11 players that they constantly rotate. But if you look at UConn this year, unlike previous years, they only rotate about six or seven players. And they don't have the size like Baylor had against Mississippi State, like you said. Right. T.R. McCallum, 6'7". 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think six five is the biggest player that Connecticut has. Uh, which I think Mississippi, that's correct. Yes. Which which Mississippi State also has Chinway Akori, who's a six five center as well. So they have two players that they'll be able to rotate on the center position to match up against UConn. Oh, excuse Chinway me, Akori. they have a six six player. Excuse me. They have a six six player. Okay. But I'm not sure if she plays. Oh no 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 no! She doesn't play. She doesn't play she's a transfer from duke uh-huh. and she's gonna play next season she has to sit out this year gotcha. okay so, so this year Na- yeah natalie butler i don't even think she's a starter she just comes off the she bench she's one of the players yeah she just she just comes off the bench she rotates around so mississippi state is going to have the size advantage at tip-off this is true yes I, uh, mississippi state because, definitely has the size advantage throughout the entire game it's whether or yeah. not they, it was whether or not tiara mccow can have a Another big game like she had, uh, I think it was against – oh, wait, no, hold on. Washington. Washington. Washington, yes, where she had 20, 26, I think, and 11 rebounds. Yeah, yeah, and I think the reason why she didn't have as great a game against Baylor is because she was having to match up with someone that was six seven, which she said in an interview, that was the first time since AAU ball that she had to match up with anyone her size. That's mm. pretty – that's a long time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's pretty insane, uh, just the size of these – the size of college basketball these days in general is just getting to be at an insane level. It really is. Um, but um, I think uh, – is there anything else you want to say about this matchup? I think I've kind of gone through all I really can of this matchup. Yeah, I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, it's just going to come down to whether or not Mississippi State can play the best game of program history. And that's that's yeah. really – that's easier said than done. Oh, it is. No, sure. No, for sure. And I, if they can, I'll say this, if they can match the production of somewhere in the middle, some, somewhere kind of a combination of Baylor and Washington, then I, I think they can win. With that being said, I'm not going to pick them to beat UConn. UConn, they have a mystique about them. Until you, until I see UConn lose, I'm not going to pick them to lose. And quite frankly, they might not lose a game next year, no matter what happens in this game. It's very so, possible, uh, so I, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick UConn to win. I, I will say this is my bold prediction though. I, I think it's gonna be a single digit game. That's my bold prediction. Okay. I will pick UConn to win as well. I won't go as far to say that it's gonna be a single digit game, but I don't think it's gonna be anywhere close to sixty points. I would be stunned if it was sixty points. <laughs> oh, I would be absolutely stunned as well. I I you Connecticut's not nearly that good as they were last year, but I, I think Mississippi yeah. State definitely can give them a good run. I think they'll hang around for like the first first two and a half, three quarters, and Connecticut will just sort of flex its muscles and, and run away with it at the very end. I think this will be the closest game that UConn has had all season, including the Florida State game, the first game of the season. I'm going to go that far. Yeah, that, that's very possible. So, But actually, before I get off this topic, I do want to ask you this one question, okay? Okay. So let's just say hypothetically Mississippi State defeats UConn, and then they play in the national championship, and let's just say supposedly they win that. Which one's going to be more talked about, the fact that they beat UConn and in their streak or the fact that they win a national championship? Oh, it's definitely that, the fact that UConn lost. That, that, that's, that's just kind of interesting, you know? I mean, that, that, that's just kind of an interesting thing to me. Obviously, that's a big what if. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, but we're, we're really talking in extreme hypotheticals here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's somewhat extreme. So, anyway, so South Carolina Stanford, I think you said you thought that South Carolina's going to win that game. Yeah, I, I do think that South Carolina's going to win that game. I just think they have the better the better talent on their team. Uh, I think they'll pull it out, and uh, it'll be uh, a South Carolina-Connecticut rematch for the national championship. Okay, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to pick Stanford to win. Okay. And I'm going to pick a Connecticut, I'm going to pick a Connecticut-Stanford final, okay? And I, obviously, at this point, if we're matching up Connecticut versus South Carolina or Stanford, do you pick South Carolina or Stanford to beat Connecticut? I want to say South Carolina. I think. Okay. I think so. I, so, so you're saying that's so you're saying South Carolina is going to beat Connecticut, or you think they can? I think they can. I don't. I think Connecticut's going to win the national championship. Yeah. So I'm. Oh, what, what, I, I think we're all agreeance here that Connecticut would beat South Carolina or Stanford. Correct. But I what. think South Carolina has a better opportunity okay so uh, and also why don't we preview the national title game for the men since we uh we brought since we both agreed that gonzaga would play oregon who would you like in that matchup man that is a that's that is a tough 
tough game to pick. That I'm really gonna, is. That 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 that's, that's gonna a be a fun game. game. I'm gonna go Gonzaga just because of that. Going back to their offensive and defensive efficiency. I mean, history doesn't lie. And when it's when it's this pronounced about the offensive and defensive efficiency being the last 15 out of 16 national champions were ranked that highly in both those categories, it's hard to pick against them. Even when they didn't play that great of a schedule, it's still hard to pick against them. So I'll, I'll pick Gonzaga, I think. I'm going to pick Gonzaga because I think they're the best team in the country. Okay. And they pro- they've proven that – They've proven it throughout all the season where they've there's all these teams at the top that have kind of shifted, like you said, North Carolina's seven losses. Right. I mean, I, I just think I just think Gonzaga's been way more consistent. I know they haven't played the toughest conference schedule, but they've still been winning all those games. Right. Yeah, I agree okay. with you. I so, Gonzaga's gonna win, I think. So I think that wraps up our final four show. Thank you for tuning in on It Just Means Four. Um, if you would tune in, tune in um, we are now on TuneIn Radio, iTunes, and also, of course, you can follow our main page on Blog Talk Radio, hosted with SB Nation on forum the Um We're going to tweet out the link to the iTunes page, since I know, uh, I know probably a lot of you listen to on there, and we'll also tweet out the link to our main page on forum the Cowbell Tolls. So, from uh, Andrew Parrish, I'm Will Larson, and thank you for listening to It Just Means Four. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.